The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and on behalf of all of us here at WMPCC, Merry Christmas. My name is Harlow Wilcox, and I am your narrator for tonight's episode here at the Christmas Eve live broadcast of Against the Storm. It's my privilege to be here, but before we get started, I want to make sure that you know your part. See, as a part of our live studio audience, you play a vital role in setting the mood for our listeners. So we need you to play a special part, but don't worry, it's very simple. I have two helper elves here, ring-a-ding-ding and sparkly giggle bubbles. You will notice each of them has a, some cards. They will lift those cards up on each card as a sound or a word. You will simply repeat that sound or word when they show that card. Very simple. So let's give it a whirl, shall we? Well, let's practice with a little story here. Once upon a time, there was a sweet, innocent kitten named Fluffy. And one of the things that Fluffy liked to do was go romping in the snow. One day, while out romping in the snow, Fluffy accidentally went into the territory of the large and dangerous cat-eating penguin named Pernicious. When Pernicious saw Fluffy... Very good. Excellent. Well done. When Pernicious saw Fluffy, yeah. she leapt high into the air like cat-eating penguins do and landed directly next to Fluffy. Oh. Just then the ice cracked and broke and Pernicious <laughs> fell to her watery doom while Fluffy oh. stayed safe and sound and lived happily ever after. Well done, ladies and gentlemen, well done. Now you keep that up and everything will be right as rain. Now, let's get this show started. And now, WMPCC presents Against the Storm. Last week, we left Will and Betty Reed in the Christmas of 1943. Will was overseas fighting in the Pacific, while Betty was stateside with her parents preparing for Christmas. After a strangely disconnected phone call, they were both left in a time of waiting, not knowing when they would see each other again. It is now the Christmas season of 1945. The war is over and Betty is in the kitchen with her sister, preparing for the return of her beloved husband. Margie, I'm going bonkers! Will's gonna be here any minute now and I want everything to be just perfect. Everything is going to be fine, big sis. Fine, fine. How is everything going to be fine? The electricity is out, I can't cook dinner, and I won't even be able to see my husband because there are no lights. 
Oh, Piffle. Keep your chin up, Buttercup. Will's going to be so happy to see you that last night's leftovers will taste great. Besides, we have plenty of candles to see by. Well, thanks, little sister. But what I'm most concerned about is our parents. They're fine. They grew up without electricity, remember? Back in those days, we saved warm by hard work and, and the, the sweat, sweat of, of our brow. I know, I know. It's not that. It's, well, see, Will's been so busy that I uh, haven't exactly... Um, Elizabeth Louise Reed. You told me that you were going to tell him that mom and dad were moving in. You did that, right? Well... You mean to say that you haven't told your husband that his in-laws are permanently moving into his house? Well... Betty, you can't spring that on him. Mom and Dad need to be eased into, even on a good day. So, it'll be a surprise. Will loves surprises. No, Will loves good surprises. Not all surprises are good surprises, Betty. A birthday party is a good surprise. Um, a, and I'm pregnant is a good surprise. Uh, I've made your favorite pot roast for dinner. It's a good surprise. A uh, mom and dad are going to be living with us is not a good surprise. Well, there, there just wasn't a good time to tell him. And, and, and he never asked about it, even though they were here every time we talked. Oh, so it's his fault that he doesn't know? Daddy. Doesn't know what? Hi, Hi Mom. Mom. It's nothing. How are you and Dad? Oh, we're just peachy. It's freezing in here. When is the electricity going to get fixed? <sighs> the electricians will be here soon, Dad. Would you like some blankets in there? The fair? What are the electricians doing at the fair? No, Dad, not fair. I said... He can't hear you, dearie. His hearing is so bad he can't even hear his own flatulence. Mother! It's not so bad once you get used to it. It's best just to pretend it never happened. Not a good surprise. Oh, it also helps when I remember to give him a regular dose of just antacid. Oh, the fire inside is burning and your bell is really churning. Gas is just about to blow. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Time to get you some relief. Chest from the gurgle and the heat. Chest, turn your sour stomach sweet. Chest, indigestion, diarrhea, constipation, mama mia. Chest. Margie, dear, be an angel and put some candles in the bathrooms. And make sure to use the scented ones. I'll get some extra blankets, too. Are you okay, dear? You look tired. 
You don't want to look tired when your husband could be here any minute. Mom. Oh, please be the electrician. Hand in bed, yes we are. We're here to save the day. Holy cow, you've got no power. We'll fix it right away. Hi, I'm Gordon. I'm Frank. And I'm Murray. We're also known as the, the Three Wise Guys. For electricity, that is. I'm so glad you guys are here. Please come in. Gee, thanks. Lovely home. It'd be even lovelier if the lights were on and we could see it. I couldn't agree more. Do you think you could fix it? We'd love to, but there's a problem. See, the good news is there's absolutely nothing wrong with your house. And the bad news is that the power company blew a transformer. This electricity stuff is just a fad anyway. Don't trust it. When I was growing up, we were powered by gas. <laughs> Sounds like it still is. How can he possibly not hear that? Hear what? Just pretend it didn't happen. So, do you have any idea when the electricity will be back on? Well, they're doing all they can, ma'am, but it's hard to know for sure. Sorry for the inconvenience. That's okay, it's not your fault. Thanks for coming. Goodbye. 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 What am I gonna do? Let's look at the bright side, honey. Mother, we have no electricity. There literally is no bright side. <laughs> of course there is, honey. Not only is it Christmas, but you have me here to do all the cooking so it will it will all finally get done right. I hate to pile on, but the toilet's not working upstairs. Ugh, what else could go wrong today? I went ahead and called the plumber. Turns out they're in the neighborhood anyways. That was fast. Handyman, yes we are. We're here to save the day. Holy smoke, your toilet's broke. We'll fix it right away. Also known as the Three Wise Guys. For plumbing, that is. Is there anything you guys don't fix? That's my Murray. Mr. Fix-It, come on, boys. I'll show you where the problem is. Sure thing, Margie, my dear. Say, it sure is crowded around here. What's a soldier got to do to get invited to this party? Betty, boy, oh boy, am I glad to see you. Oh, Will, I missed you so much. Welcome home. Golly, it is great to see you, sweetheart. Where's my little spark plug? He's upstairs asleep, but there are plenty of other people to see you here as well. I noticed that. Look at all of you. Margie, Murray, so glad to see you. How are the wedding plans coming along? They're going great, Will. And now that you're back, the wedding party is complete. That's swell, really, really swell. And Mr. and Mrs. Wilcox, I'm so glad that you are able to visit. Visit? Visit where? That's so sweet. Willie is so over 
overwhelmed with happiness. He thinks we're on vacation. Why do I get the feeling that I'm missing something? A and why are the lights out? Oh, Will, I wanted everything to be just perfect. Speaking of perfect, Betty has plans for the most amazing Christmas dinner tomorrow. Turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and all the fixings. She won't let me do a thing, but I promise you, Willie, this is the last meal she'll be fixing herself. I plan on cooking for you every night from now on. Um... Surprise! Mind you, we don't plan on being freeloaders while we live here. While you what? No siree, Bob. I plan to carry my weight. And of course, your dad will do all he can to help out around the house. Right, George? Yeah, sure. I can help. The Cubs don't play till April anyway. I've got a little time. Boy, oh boy, did they have a season this year. All the way to the World Series. Yep, and they're going all the way next season, Will. That 37-year drought was so long, but it's almost over. I can feel it. And you and I can listen to every game right in our living room. In our living room? So you guys are... to tell you. Are the three wise guys living here too? Of, of course not, honey. They're just uh, fixing the toilet. The toilet's broken? Yep. yep. <laughs> On top of everything else? Oh, Will, I'm so sorry. I wanted everything to be just right. Will, please say something. Betty! I'm home. Sure, things aren't exactly as I thought they would be, but I'm home. The war is over. I'm with the best gal a guy could ever ask for. I'm home with my beautiful little boy. And we have the added bonus of three singing repairmen. <laughs> oh, Will, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Now come here. Having fun over there? <laughs> Boys, can you sing us a little Christmas song? George! Apparently not. Margie! at last, Will and Betty Reed settle down for a long and happy life with their family. 
Thank you for listening to our third and final episode of Against the Storm. We here at WMPCC want to wish you and all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas. Nice job, gang. Nice job. Been here all day. Been here all day. Oh, man. Merry Christmas to everybody, and welcome to the very best celebration of the day. This is it. 7 o'clock. This is it. We've had three uh, dress rehearsals in preparation for this moment right here. So thanks for coming to the 7 o'clock. This really is the best one. It's dark outside. We didn't say that at all, the celebrations. We're only saying it right here, 7 o'clock. So uh, so glad that you're here. Welcome. Really, we've been uh, excited about you coming and uh, and spending some of your Christmas with us. My name is Alan, and uh, before I uh, look into a little bit of a story here uh, tonight, I just want to tell you what the plans are for the next couple weeks uh, for those of you who uh, may not have heard or not know. So the next time that we gather here in this space for a celebration, for a gathering here in this room, will be January 1st. As Greg said, we're, gonna, we're not going to meet here tomorrow so that all can spend time with their uh, families. So we won't uh, be back until 2017. And uh, normally on Sunday morning, we do a celebration at 9 and 10.30. We're just going to do one gathering at 10.30, and uh, we're going to call it a hangover Sunday. Just kidding. Uh, uh, That Sunday, January 1st, I'm going to do my uh, annual top 10 list of mistakes for the year. (laughs) It's fun to listen to other people's mistakes. (laughs) So, But that's what we're going to do. And generally the idea there is that successes are great, wins are great. But most of us learn more from our mistakes. And so the idea is come and uh, let's reflect on 2016 and some of the ways that we can learn from this year and roll into next year. So next year, our theme, uh, we're going to get started with that in Janu- on January 8th. We do an annual theme. This past year was foundation. We identified 40 foundational passages of Scripture and took a look at that and poked at that all year long. Uh, it was a, it was a, I really enjoyed the journey. Next year, starting on January 8th, our theme for 2017 will be something new. So if you are ready for something new, if you're interested in something new, if you want to try something new, then come join us in 2017 uh, because there's a whole lot of new stuff that's going to be a part of, of our story as a church in 2017. So we're going to walk that out and just see how Often in Scripture, there's an invitation or an opportunity for something new uh, to come about as part of our journey. So we invite you to join us for that uh, starting January 8th. Tonight, however, we are going to uh, uh, celebrate Christmas Eve. We're going to party like it was 1945. Because they did this a lot in 1945. Uh, So um, uh, uh, that's going to be swell. It's going to be keen for us to do this. We've looked at different slang and different ways that people talked in, in the 40s. And my favorite phrase that I had never heard of as I was looking through, my favorite phrase was, a, uh, was, was something for canned milk. We don't really use or talk about canned milk so much. But they called it armored heifer. Isn't that great? Isn't that, I'd love that. Armored heifer. So uh, the 40s were great. The, the minimum wage in 1945 was 43 cents an hour. 
Yeah, that uh, sounds like, you know, when I was in high school, what it, uh, but I made a little bit more than that. But uh, the national debt in the United States was $43 billion. Wouldn't that be great? 43, I mean, Justin Bieber could write a check and take care of that now. Boom, wipe that out. It was a different era. The reason that we're really kind of going after the 40s and really pushing in on that and, and wrapping the whole thing around the 40s, one of the reasons for that is that many of our Christmas traditions, many of the things that make Christmas what it is for us, they, they started in the 40s. They flowed out of the 40s. Much of what happened in the 40s is what we kind of take for granted and say that's what Christmas looks like. So, for instance, some of the classic toys, the slinky, came out in the 40s. That was first introduced for the, in the Christmas. Wow, that thing goes down the stairs. It's so cool. Mr. Potato Head came out in the 40s. Candyland was invented in the 40s. And it has tormented parents for decades since then. Yes, all parents go, you want to play again? Okay, okay. Looking forward to, you know, one day being able to play Monopoly someday with your kids. But anyway, uh, Candyland was invented. Um, uh, Christmas lights, they existed prior to that. There were candles on trees prior to the 40s. But the whole electronic lights wrapped around the trees that are so common now that those were, there was a proliferation of those in the 40s. Lights attached to the outside of the house, that all was blown up and stirred up in the 40s. Just the way neighborhoods looked and homes looked was completely transformed by the 40s. It was in the 40s that they created the green bean casserole. Yes. What would Christmas be like without a green bean casserole? It was in the 40s that they started getting serious about Christmas cookies. They've always done Christmas cookies, but it was in the 40s that they started to do a lot of those, the cutouts and the prints with the things and do all that and make different shapes. And that was all kind of stirring up in the 40s. It was in the 40s that they put, that they started, people started setting aside cookies and milk for Santa on Christmas morning. Or actually it was, it was cookies and armored heifers on Christmas morning for Santa Claus. It was in the 40s that we were introduced to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and the song was written and recorded, and we just, we just think that's always been around. But no, no, the, the wise men didn't bring that song, you know, to the, to, the, to the manger, you know, in that thing. It came out in the 40s. Also in the 40s, they had some colorful songs about Christmas, like White Christmas and Blue Christmas. Both came out in the 40s. Also in 1946 was the, came out the, uh, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And in 1947 was the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Back to back, two of the top three greatest Christmas movies of all time. Number one, of course, was Die Hard. Say it together. It was a, uh, the best Christmas movie ever. But, um, but uh, I mean, there's just a lot. What would Christmas be like without the 40s? And so it, 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 you know, it makes you ask the question, what was there, there's explosion of tradition in the 40s, particularly the second half of that century. Why was there an explosion of tradition at that time? Because the war was over. The entire country, the entire world had so much to celebrate. The deadliest war in the history of the world, a war that, that claimed the lives of over 50 million people was finally over. The war was over. Hitler surrendered in May of 1945, and Japan surrendered in August of 1945. And then the 
American soldiers came back home in waves. They didn't all come back in August. They came back some each month because they wanted to make sure everything was still settled and taken care of in the post-war situation. But it was a celebration. In our story, our Christmas story here, Will is not coming home until December of 1945. As he was in our story, he's one of those soldiers who had to wait a little, a little while. But This was one of the greatest moments in American history because the war was over. It was a huge relief. It was a big deal. This is the post-war boom. And out of that, so much of our Christmas tradition stirred up. Some of us have been through a war this year. Some of us have been through a war in 2016. Maybe it was a war in terms of your relationships, some of your deepest and most significant relationships. Maybe it was a war with an illness, a war with cancer, or it was a a, a battle with depression or with an addiction. And maybe like America in 1945, you right now here this Christmas 2016, you are in need of something to celebrate. You are in, in desperate need for some good news. And that's what the angel came to declare to the shepherds. In the second chapter of the book of Luke, Luke tells this beautiful and very familiar story of the birth of Jesus. That this young couple, Mary and Joseph, they went to Bethlehem to give birth to to this little boy, Jesus. And there wasn't any room in the inn. And and so they had to stay uh, with the animals. And then baby was, was born and was put in the manger. And then in Luke 2... Uh, There's the story of the angel appearing before the shepherds, not before the the mighty uh, religious leaders, but before the the regular lowly shepherds appeared to them while they were working in the fields. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. But the angel said to them, said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. The angel appears before the shepherds and says, I bring you good news of great joy. Some of us are experiencing a war and in need of some good news of great joy. Some of us need to hear it today. Some of us need to be reminded of that as you flow into Christmas tomorrow. Good news of great joy. Now, I know not everybody here in the room is familiar with or a fan of Seinfeld back in the 90s, the television program. I, of course, was, watched it faithfully every Thursday night, must-see TV. And and, uh, for those of you who, who are familiar with it, and again, I'm not assuming everyone is, but if you are familiar with Seinfeld, here's a little trivia question for you. It's an easy trivia question. But what did George Costanza's father celebrate See, this is funny because I'm not even done with the question. It's like, you know, I feel like, like Alex Trebek. And it's just, would you just be quiet? Let me finish the, you know. Um, 
And, and so this is humorous because all day, you know, at 1 o'clock they're going, yeah, I don't know, what's a Seinfeld? And then, and then at 3 o'clock there's a few people in the back, and then at 5 o'clock there's a few more. Now you're at 7 o'clock going, you answer the question before I even uh, ask it, which is great. So the question was, just, just be patient. Just be, back off. The question is, what did George Costanza's father celebrate at Christmas? And the answer is... Festivus, Festivus for the rest of us. And what you would do as a celebration of Festivus is you would have feats of strength and you would have a time of airing of grievances. Remember this? This is great American television right there, that right there. The, the Festivus for the rest of us, each one of us gathered here in this room, each one, each seat, each person, I'm confident you could celebrate Festivus if we let you. Each and every one of us, we could identify a list of grievances that we have with people that we do life with. We can identify what we don't like. Oh, you're going you're to allow me to have a moment to share my grievances with about some of the people you're sitting right next to, right here in this place on Christmas Eve, that of course we would be able to share that. We can always identify something to complain about. We can always identify what's going wrong, what we don't like about this, that, the other thing, and our uh, place of work and our people we do life with, etc. We can always identify that. But the question is, will we choose to complain about our circumstances and about life or will we celebrate? We always get to choose. Every day of the year, we get to choose, are we going to complain or are we going to celebrate? A friend of mine is a pastor in Cincinnati. And he told me that when he's interviewing people to, to potentially come on staff with them as a church, it's a large church in Cincinnati. And, and at, at any time of the year, any time of the year when he meets with somebody and talks to them about coming on, one of the questions he asks is, what would it look like for you to experience Christmas every day as part of our staff? Now, the idea there, the intent of that is to try to stir up what your passion is. Because we don't want you to come on staff and just kind of uh, receive a paycheck or kind of get through the day or because you're talented or gifted or whatever that might be. But the idea is, what would a day look like so that it's, it feels like Christmas every day. So that when you come to work, you're so thrilled to be with the people that you're, that you're working with, to be doing what you're asked to do, that, that how that mixed with your gifting, etc. You're so excited that it's like it's Christmas morning. What, what would it look like for you to experience Christmas every day? Because we typically don't complain much on Christmas. Sometimes we do. I mean, there's some things that we could complain about. We, we you know, the, the kids don't let us sleep in uh, late enough, or we have to get up and we do all the work, and we have to do the breakfast, and we have to cook for the dinner, or we have to clean up after the breakfast or the dinner, or as kids, we have to wait for somebody to make breakfast and then clean up afterwards before we can uh, open up our presents. Uh, we complain because... Uh, that, uh, that plastic tricycle that we bought from China came in a box this big, and we have to try to, you know, put it all together, and then it ruins our day. It ruins our week, really. And uh, well, there's things that we could find to complain about on Christmas, certainly. But for the most part, Christmas is happy time. For the most part, we, have, we do a pretty good job as a culture, as a community of, of getting along with one another, and then we can yell at each other on the 26th or whatever things. But Christmas is kind of a protected, for the most part, Christmas is a happy time. So what would it look like for you to do life, for you to choose to celebrate rather than complain every day? Now, you might say, well, that's not fair. That's a ridiculous question because, because every day is not Christmas. If every day was, was Christmas, then Christmas wouldn't be special. 
and then we, it wouldn't, you know, stand out the way it does. It's a very, you know, here I'm having this conversation with you, and, you, and I'm not letting you say anything. But I'm, I'm imagining that some of you might be saying that. That's not reasonable. It's, not, it's ridiculous. But we've figured out how to complain almost every day. We don't need a special day of the year, you know, complination day. We don't need to set aside a day. Hallmark hasn't, you know, done that yet. We figured out how to do that every day. We figured out how to worry every day, to worry about our future, about our finances, about our friends, about our relationships, about our spiritual journey. And so why wouldn't we able to work celebration in every day? Why, why do we assume that it's not reasonable for us to start off a day and say, I'm, I'm going to choose to celebrate? The angels came and said, I bring you good news of great joy. That wasn't about one day for the shepherds working their field at night. That's not about that one day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that once a year on December 25th, that's when we can experience good news of great joy. That message from the angels is for every day. That's why I like that, my friend's question. What might it look like for us to experience good news of great joy every day? day. Man, wouldn't that be great? The angels didn't just say that, though. They said, good news of great joy, that will be for all the people. That means you. You in the back, right there. That's you. That means you. It means everybody. That doesn't mean just the religious people who go to church every Sunday. It doesn't mean just the people in the parking lot who are nice and kind and patient and let others go in front of them and say, no, 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 you go. I'll wait. I'm good. I'm fine. Merry Christmas. Not just those. Even for the people in the parking lot who share colorful words with one another, screaming out the window, and share particular fingers on hands (laughs) with one another, in the parking lot of the church on Christmas Eve. I know it happens. I know. I know. We keep a tally every year. We've got a record. You know, Santa has his thing that he's checking every tool. We've got, we've got our list of things, you know, we check out on. And so even for those people, even for those people, the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The idea here is, Even for those who don't know what the good news is, it's still good news. It's still good news, even if you don't yet understand what it is. Even if you don't understand what that means. In other words, something still exists, even when we don't know that it exists. Something still exists even if we don't know that it exists. Okay, so some of you, most of you are going to get presents under the tree tomorrow. And you don't know, hopefully, what all those presents are. There's going to be something underneath there that you're not aware of. Just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That could be that grandma has been working on a sweater, a hand-knit sweater for you, has put hundreds of hours into it, and, as, and it's, under, it's going to be under the tree tomorrow, and, and you're going to open it, And you're going to see it, you're you're never going to wear it, but you're going to be really thankful for this sweater. Just because you don't know it's there 
doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's almost a ridiculous thought. But, but sometimes we, we, we put that thought in terms of the good news of great joy that the angel talked about. In terms of the presence of, of, of Jesus in our lives. Even if we don't know what that means, it still exists. Jesus didn't start to exist on Christmas Day. Even on that day 2,000 years ago, it wasn't there, there was no Jesus, then there was a birth, and then we have Jesus after that. Just want to remind you of that today. The Christmas Day is not the beginning of Jesus. The Gospel of John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus has been there through the whole story. And then there was a major transformation where God in the form of Jesus came on earth in the Christmas story. But Jesus has always been there. God wasn't born on Christmas Day. God wasn't born. God was very present, very connected, very active in the lives of his people prior to to Christmas. And he's very active and present in the lives of his people after Christmas. So similarly, Jesus doesn't start to be active in your life the day you choose to believe in him. He exists whether you choose to believe in him or not. He is there. He is part of your journey. He is active and present before you choose to believe in him, and he is active and present after you choose to believe in him. And that belief moment, that's a very important moment where we transfer from, from um, it's, it's the line of faith where we become a Christian, where we decide on, on, at that moment, at some point of our lives, we have to decide if I'm going to say, uh, I believe Jesus is Lord and I choose to follow Christ for the rest of my life. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's it. That's it. There's no other form that needs to be filled out. You just say, I believe Jesus is the Messiah and I choose to follow him for the rest of my life. And that's how we are reconciled with God and that's how we spend eternity with God. But even before that happens, Jesus still exists. Jesus is with you. He is pursuing you. Even that moment 12 years ago when there was that unexplainable thing that happened to you, there's that spiritual encounter, and you've just kind of put it in the drawer, and you haven't thought about it for quite some time, and you kind of question it. Now, I'm not even sure that that even happened. I believe that was Jesus. So often, Jesus, we look back and we, he has been pursuing you and, and, and nudging you and wooing you and trying to draw you into relationship with him. Even before we decide at that moment to, to believe, to follow, long before that, Jesus existed. The good news impacts our lives, even if we don't know what that good news is yet. That Jesus is pursuing you and wanting you to understand that the war is over. The war is over. You no longer have to battle sin with your own strength. You don't have to do that. That battle is is Jesus has won victory. He has won victory over sin, victory over death. And so uh, for those of us who understand that, that is very good news because the battle with sin is a battle we can't win. 
the battle with sin, that whole kind of, the whole thing that Paul talks about, what I want to do, I, I, I can't do, and what I don't want to do, I find myself continuing to do. That whole battle of trying, I've had one good day, I've had one good week, that whole fight, that war, that battle that's going on, we can't win that. Maybe there's one good week, maybe there's a day or month here, not, but overall, we are not going to win that battle. And Jesus says, the war is over. The war is over. You can celebrate like it's 1945. The point of of this gathering here today, the point of this message is not be happy. Be happy and have a good attitude. Choose to be happy. That's not the point. The point is here that the angel said, there's good news of great joy for all the people. And that, what that means is we can live life radically different because of Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and having an impact on how we live our lives, how we make decisions, how we interact with other people. That is good news of great joy for all the people. Now, that's it. That's it. That's the whole, that's the whole message. You, 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 you made it. You endured it. I just have one, one suggestion, one suggestion for tomorrow. As you gather, and maybe you open presents tonight. Some people do that. Most open presents in the morning. Whenever you gather to open presents, you gather with your friends, you gather as a couple, you gather as a family. When you do that, would you consider pausing before ripping open the presents and just thinking about how you can celebrate 2016. How you can celebrate the presence of God, whatever you believe about God, that you would look back on 2016 and reflect on how has God been present, how has God been powerful, how has God been faithful and gracious in your life this year. That you would celebrate the goodness of God before we rip open all the presents. Would you consider doing that? Because we, we're good at complaining. We're good at identifying things that, you know, I, I didn't get this and I wanted this and that didn't happen. And, and we can complain at Christmas. Will here had the opportunity to complain uh, about his in-laws living with him, about the electricity, about the plumbing. And yet there's an opportunity for us to choose to celebrate. To say, okay, what, what has happened this year? In what way has God been faithful this year to get me to this point? What what? Good news of great joy. Can I give glory and honor to God for? Maybe you're a, maybe you're a student, and it's been a good year at, at school. Maybe you've met some friends, and you look back in 2000, 2016, you go, I've met some of, the, some of the best friends in my life this year. That's good news. Or maybe your grades are better than what they have been, and you've worked hard, and, and, and uh, things have kind of aligned, and you're getting better grades. It's fantastic. Or maybe that, that cute girl is paying you some attention. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Acknowledge that can be a better present than anything else under the tree. Or maybe there's a spiritual journey for you. Maybe you became a believer this year. That's fantastic. You can acknowledge that as part of the good news of great joy. Maybe your faith has grown significantly this year. Maybe you trusted God with something that you've never trusted God with before. Having to do perhaps with your finances or with your time or with your plans for your future. Those are absolutely great things to celebrate. Before we start ripping open the, open the presents tomorrow, can we just pause? Can we just pause and say, I am thankful to God for this part 
of 2016? Can we bring in a celebration of who God is and what God has done this year? The good news of great joy. Just, just a suggestion. Here's how we're going to wrap up our time here today. Um, the band is going to come up and lead us in a couple songs. You've got candles in your hands. We're going to, we're going to light the candles and uh, do our uh, candlelight celebration, candlelight service. Before we do that, I want to pray with you on celebrating versus complaining. And uh, as we do that, I invite you to stand. Would you stand up, please, as we pray together? Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the message of the angel. God, we're familiar with these words, good news of great joy. And God, I pray that we would we would take them into our, uh, into our hearts today, that we would take them into our Christmas tomorrow. God, I believe that, that there's an angel here in this room who's wanting to remind us there is good news of great joy because Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. As a result, we have a reconciled relationship with you, and we can be a different person. We can be a new person, which is the journey that we're going to take next year. God, we are so thankful for this message. God, I pray for those who have experienced a war this year, that they would be able to celebrate like 1945, that, that, that you have conquered, that the war is over, that we can trust you, we can embrace the good news of great joy. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to... Um, we're going to enjoy a time of uh, the, the candlelight uh, celebration with a couple songs here. Uh, the light represents Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus is the light of the world. And so this light, um, uh, Jesus is the good news of great joy. This light represents that good news that no matter how dark 2016 may have felt to you, no matter how dark some areas of your life sometimes feel, that Jesus is the light that can shine in those places of darkness. That's what this reminder is uh, today. And when we all light them together, we gather together and bring our lights together, that the whole room can be filled with the light of Jesus. May that give you some hope here today as we celebrate with the candlelight.